it's closing No love lost or found It's closing Now I come around It's closing Drifting in and not all time It's closing You're guilty Behind the Door by Glowline, featuring Levinsky on vocals. And that was released on September 3rd, roughly two weeks ago. How about that fin wave? <laughs> well, good evening, everybody. My name is Karin Zoe Lee. You're listening to Night Ride FM. And I have some guests tonight, Neutron Dreams, Chris and Dan. And if you did your homework, you tuned in at uh, five, my time. <laughs> you, were, you were there for the YouTube premiere of their music video for Praying for Mantis. And I'm going to have them on in roughly an hour after the new releases to talk about this video and their upcoming album, Nightcrawlers. But coming up next, uh, this was released um, Tuesday from Retro Reverb Records by Alex Vecchietti. This is Awake featuring your friend Estevez. Now that I'm let go of the pain So my eyes. 
That was Awake, featuring Your Friend Estevez by Alex Vichetti from Retro Reaver Records. <laughs> yeah, that just came out. Pick that up. And you know what else just came out on Monday? Joust has another single. He, uh, he came out of the gate with an amazing one, and he's dropped a second one, and I've got it. I picked it up on Bandcamp. Um, he's also known as Joust7800. That's a recent addition, just to uh, avoid confusion with other artists using the word Joust. Anyway, with no further ado, here is Save Me. Save Me by Joust, Joust7800, or Joust Wave if you're looking for him on Twitter. Um, yeah, get an Instagram, but I tried to tag you today. <laughs> There's no Joust Wave Instagram. All right, coming up next, Morpheus. He's, uh, he's in there hanging out with us in the IRC. He sent me this. This is an exclusive premiere, a collab that he did with Michael Cross and Nikki Dodds, a track called Magnetic Touches. <laughs> Falling down to you 
was Magnetic Touches, uh, released by Michael Cross today. And that was sent to me by uh, Morpheus, who uh, collabed with him on that, and Nikki Dodds, who provided the vocals. Absolutely beautiful. So head on over to Bandcamp, pick that up today. You heard it here first. And also, you heard it here first, maybe. <laughs> Aztec has signed a new artist. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> I love them, though. Uh, Uncover is their name. And they just released this track on the 14th, featuring Ayas Keen. The track is called Control, Chapter 1.
was Control, Chapter 1 by Uncover, featuring I.S. Keen. And Uncover is a Aztec's brand new artist. His name is Julio. He's, uh, he's Spanish. So, coming up next, we have one from Ian Cowell that he released on August 25th. And I am just now catching up. <laughs> Shame on me. Anyway, he released this beautiful cover of 100cc Sunset from Mario Kart 64.
That was 100cc Sunset from Mario Kart 64, as covered by Ian Cowell. Yeah, I love his covers. God, he's a gamer. I wish I was a gamer. I'm just, I like games. I'm just freaking terrible at them. Tomorrow, Max Parker is dropping a brand new album, Outsider. And I'm going to play you one of the collabs from this album that I have not aired before. This one features System Glitch, a track called Ain't Enough.
Ain't Enough by Max Parker featuring System Glitch on vocals. And if I recognize that voice, that was his wife on the phone. (laughs) I hope things are going better for you too than that. Oh, speaking of which, System Glitch, you stay on the stage, buddy, because uh, you're <laughs> you you got lead vocals on this next one too by Turbo Knight. Demi K sent me Turbo Knight's new uh, EP, uh, Saturday Night and Sunday Afternoon. <laughs> he let me pick from the three tracks. Of course, I p- picked the System Glitch track. Um, this one goes out to Yahendo, who doesn't believe that I'm a live DJ. <laughs> this is a track called Low Grade Fever. Hey, baby, you ready to go out and party? Yeah, yeah, no, me neither, but, like, it's been such a long time, we probably should, right? Slapping on this three-piece suit, slipping into wingtip shoes, splashing on three slaps of brood, so I need a parachute. Girl, you know I'm wishing for a sexy expedition. Conference. Come a little closer, baby. No, that's like that's like too close. Wait, no backup. Okay, like one more step. Oh yeah, that's it. Girl, you're giving me a low-grade fever. My body's aching for you, baby. Oh, I'm short of breath and my heart's got palpitations. This could be. I think I'm gonna go back. 
baby, no, 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 it's not you, it's not you, it's me, it's me. I just feel like we should see other hospitals right now, you know what I'm saying? That was Low Grade Fever by Turbo Knight, Demi K, and System Glitch, who appears to have COVID in this song. <laughs> Did you have COVID when you recorded this? That guy's amazing. He recorded with COVID. <laughs> Shout out to Sam Ronan on YouTube, by the way. Thank you for your kind words. Uh, coming up next, Megan McDuffie has a new one. She's not singing on this one. You know why? Because she got hired by Atari. She was picked up by Atari. <laughs> and here's the latest single that she dropped. For Atari, Doom Buggy. was Doom Buggy by Megan McDuffie, and that's going to be on the Atari Recharge soundtrack. I believe that one is for Centipede. <laughs> Man, the music they're putting in games these days is so cool. My five-year-old son, he's just in love with EDM because of uh, Just Shapes and Beats, that game. <laughs> you know that game? Wow. All right, I got one more song before I bring out my guests. Lavalette. Yeah, you remember him from the show. Well, his album, American Summer, is finally going to be released on streaming platforms. It's available on Bandcamp now. I know because I bought the gold cassette and I don't think there are any left, are there? <laughs> Here is Lavalette with I Remember When. I remember when 
I Remember When by Lavalette. That was from uh, American Summer that he just released last month. And it will be streaming on Spotify, all streaming platforms, uh, a week from now on the 23rd. So keep your eyes open for that. And go buy a physical copy if you haven't yet. Head over to Lavalette's Lavalette's Bandcamp. All right. All right. Neutron Dreams. (laughs) Have we all seen the video for Praying for Mantis? I sure hope so. Um, If not, here's the song by Neutron Dreams, Praying for Mantis.
And that was Praying for Mantis by New Trotten Dreams from the upcoming album Nightcrawler due out October 15th. And of course, my guests of the hour are Dan and Chris of Neutron Dreams. Hello, gentlemen. Hello. Hello. How are you? Thanks for joining me again. Yeah, it's our pleasure. It's nice to be back. So we, we just got done seeing the video for Praying for Mantis. Uh, gorgeous, by the way. I love the, uh, the space visuals and um, how your studios look like exactly the same. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that was a little bit of a competition on our part, you know. It seems <laughs> that uh, Chris and I always try to one-up each other as far as, you know, how many lights we can squeeze into our studios, you know. And it's turned into a little bit of a friendly war, you know. I, <laughs> I get something, then Chris gets jealous, and then he... <laughs> goes out and gets something cool or his wife buys him something cool like oh look at my shiny new toy i'm like oh really <laughs> well let me do this you know and then i'll put in a, another string of leds and well, i got this really cool you know mixer board oh really oh let me get this and add this to my outfit <laughs> and, and we'll go back and forth you know just trying to friendly outdo each other until we get what you see now <laughs> and it has been developing over time the studio has been been a labor of love i've kind of always had this vision of what i wanted the inside to look like because i've seen plenty of studios a lot of them go for like the minimalist look where it's very clean and everything and to me that's not inspiring for me i don't need a clean slate like that that's not my how, how my brain works i want to be surrounded by my inspirations so inside of my studio you know i have all these different 80s paraphernalia stuff i had from when i was a kid whether it be you know transform or video games or VHS tapes or pieces of Mega Man and Mario and little things from my childhood all the way up to, you know, current synthwave artists, posters and albums hanging on my wall. And then as far as the actual setup with all the lights and everything, it started at a necessity because my studio isn't all that big. I make it look big, but I didn't have room for a PC tower in my studio. It just took up a lot of space, especially the one that I had. It was this massive piece of equipment that I used to have a different room for. So I had room for this thing. But now in the studio, I don't have room for that. So I had this idea of, is there a way I can run it out of the case? And I did a couple you know, little YouTube videos and stuff like that. And I saw a bunch of people doing that. So I researched it into it and finally decided ditch the case. So I took everything out of my case and I started carefully mounting it to different boards and stuff like that and I hung my entire PC setup is now hung on my wall right above my main monitor and I have a multi-monitor setup here in my studio and wow. I wanted it to look kind of like Hal in a way I have a, I have a very strong fanship for 2001 a space odyssey and all those other different films surrounding you know the how 9000 and stuff like that so with this this setup and i'm able to make this look like an ai presence so that's what i did i set all up so that it looks like this ai menacing ai is staring at me, you know while i'm sitting here doing my work or i'm composing or something like that and then i I don't have a budget to allow for these big, humongous, analog, different uh, modular synthesizers, but I wanted to have the look of that. So that's how this studio got set up with all these different circuits and lights and everything. So it looks like I have this big, humongous, modular synthesizer set up in my studio that's all controlled by this AI processor, but it's not, you know, but it, it is containing, you know, multiple hard drives and all the graphics cards and everything else. You know, because I use software and VSTs 
to make all of our music. So it's representative of what I do. It just, it looks cool. And so I'll just turn the lights on and take a look. And, you know, it, it, it's a way to get over writer's block. And it looks really cool in music videos too. So that's one of the reasons why I did it. And then, you know, I would show pictures to Chris and he'd be like, hmm, okay, I'm a bit jelly. Got to go back and I got to, <laughs> I got to beat Dan now. So then he'll go out and, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll gussy up his studio. Buy a Tesla coil and a flex capacitor. Yes, <laughs> of course. I have my studio set up slightly different to Dan's. I'm very old school when it comes to writing music. So the lighting's important to me, but I'm being legally blind. It's like, to me, it's not as important as it is to other people. But I know when I'm on a music video, I don't like being on video. So I try to do something that's going to look interesting rather than just me standing there playing. Because what I'll do often is I'll be in the studio, I'll turn all my lights on just because, like Dan said, it's very inspiring. But I usually, with my, my left hand, I usually play the drum pads and on my right hand, I'll be playing the keyboard. I, I tend to record both at the same time. I'm more old school that way. And how I approach the music is that I like to be fully hands-on. It, it's, it's hard for people to, to explain to people now because with, with loops being so popular with a lot of people, it's very hard for some people to be like, well, why do you spend time programming drums? Why not drop a loop in? And I'm like, loops are great for people, but they're not for me. So when me and Dan are writing, and I have my lights on, and Dan shows me his studio, sometimes they show me something new he's bought, and it'll inspire me for a drum loop, or to say some arpeggios or some bass lines. So lighting can, can be really essential when you're writing this kind of music. It's, it's, it's all your senses. It's not just your fingers when you're playing a keyboard or your drum pads. It's everything around you. You want to surround yourself with inspiration. Yeah. 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 It's exactly the same thing for me too. That's, yeah. I want to be surrounded by the inspiration that gives me the passion to make this kind of music that we create. And it's not just, yeah, the primary thing is you know, synthwave, but we're also um, expanding way beyond synthwave going into you know, traditional 70s, 80s electronic music, which is where synthwave is based on but then you know especially some of the the critics in this genre they'll be like well that doesn't sound like synthwave well yeah because it's not based on another synthwave artist it's based on someone like Jean-Michel Jarre or Jan Hammer it's based on the original 70s and 80s electronic musicians and that's where we're drawing inspiration from is there synthwave elements in there sure you know because you know I I'm a fan of synthwave I mean hello it's, it's what I do and that's what makes Chris and I the perfect team is that he's more of a traditional uh, electronic artist where I have been inspired by Synthwave itself and that's what got me into making music. So we put our two minds together and tried to add aspects of both of those things to our music. And there's a little bit of 90 stuff in there. There's a little bit of trance stuff mixed in there. So it has all of my inspirations and then all of his inspirations all put together into our music. And as far as the lighting is concerned, yeah, I mean, growing up, you know, that's, you know, you, you look at all the cool music videos out there from, you know, back when MTV used to actually do music videos. Um, <laughs> it, it was, some of those videos were out there like really out there like what in the world did i just watch and some of it has a lot of you know cool lighting effects stuff like that plus i think both of our studios kind of happen during this this world that we're in right now um where everyone's doing a lot of things from home where we can't get to an actual stage you know where you would put all the lighting effects in for a stage performance so you know in the world of where live streams are like insanely popular and you're doing a performance literally from your studio it was really important for both of us to make our studios look as interesting as possible so that it gives the audience who's watching the video not only something great to hear but also something nice to look at as well 
I like that because it reminds me of the stuff that you would see behind DJs at a show. Right. Exactly. Yeah. That's kind of the same concept. You know, whether they would have some kind of gizmo behind them or laser effects or, or some kind of screen. Again, going back to influences, one of my heavy influences, and I will get into arguments about this, is Daft Punk. Daft Punk, they would have these big, humongous arena shows, like they're a live tour, where they have this humongous stage with all these lasers and screens and triangles and all this other stuff. It wasn't the fact that you were listening to two dudes spin French house music. It was the fact that you were packed together in a humongous arena like sardine cans, sweating, dancing to like all these different lights and fog machines and everything else. It was all part of that experience. So I try to do that for Neutron Dreams, you know, try to bring that experience to someone who would watch our music videos so that they can get a taste of, of that again, especially now since, you know, Daft Punk has since retired.
that's kind of that's kind of how I think too. Is my my biggest ins- inspiration is Jean Michel. If anybody's ever been to one of his concerts, you know his, his biggest concerts three and a half million people. You know they're they're not small shows. Right. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, I've seen him live several times in England. And as soon as I saw him live, I'm like, well, I could do the music, but that lighting, unless I've got about fifty five fifty million dollars to put a show on, I'm not going to have a studio like that. <laughs> so I, it, it's just a case of what looks good to you. And then, like for the music video, and then, of course, you, you put a music video together, like we did for Praying for Mentors. And then it, it's so much more than just your performance, which is why we try to put lots of space scenes in there. We, we try to tell a story of traveling about warfare going on on the planets. And But it was all done, a lot of it was done, you know, virtually. We, it was all edited on a, on a computer. But we tried to mix in some of our live performances, too, to show the, the human element of it. Because we didn't just, it would be easy just to do a completely computer-generated music video and say that's it but we wanted to try and find a way that we could tell a story and it was different and some of the reason we have some of the visual effects in there were inspired by the 80s you know you'd, you'd watch aha or duran duran and then have some of these video transitions on the screen or or where you see videos going over the top of each other scrolling so we wanted to put some 80s some would say corny but some of the 80 video effects in there too. And again, like the end of the video, you see the synthwave sun. That was just to give a shout out to the synthwave genre, even though the track itself isn't as synthwave as some of the other tracks. So we were trying to do big shout outs to different different eras and different genres. So yeah, we, we were just trying something different, weren't we, Dan? Yeah, exactly. And it, it harkened back to why I said when MTV had music videos and yeah. back when you, know, you would watch these new wave, new age artists that have heavily inspired other electronic artists and the synthwave genre as a whole. You'd watch these music videos like music videos by Depeche Mode or oh, music yeah. videos by Pet Shop Boys. And you're looking at these and you're like, again, what the heck did I just watch? But you remember it. You know, and, and, and you wouldn't see them necessarily play any instruments. Sometimes it's just a bunch of dudes walking around. For example, Enjoy the Silence. Not one instrument is shown being played. It's just the band standing there, you know, or he's walking off, you know, wearing a a king's outfit with a a crown and a robe on. It makes you think. Or, like, It's a Sin by Pet Shop Boys. And it looks like they're in some sort of cathedral with some kind of monks and, you know, a a father and some kind of, like, red letter thing going on. And it looks like someone's going to get burned at the stake and stuff like that. Not even vegetarian. Right. (laughs) Right? You don't see any instruments being playing, right? But then you see other music videos where, yeah, you get that. Some people might call it corny or cheesy or whatever, you know, where you see like little picture within picture scrolling across the screen, like how we have here in this Praying for Mantis video. It, it's all done on purpose, you know. In this music video, we wanted it to look like something that could have been watched in the 80s. And that's the, kind of the thing of one thing that I love about synthwave, yet not synthwave. So it doesn't have to really apply to synthwave, but, you know, but also still trying to blend the two of electronic pure electronic music and, and synthwave is the the fact that synthwave is inspired by stuff like that so you have these original 80s musicians original 80s bands and these what you would call a corny or kind of weird 80s music video that's kind of what we thought of you know like hey this is a harken back to those 80s and the whole nostalgic part of synthwave that I've always loved is that us artists and fans and again you know people in in your position, Karin, is that we kind of pretend that the 80s never stopped, that this is just an extension as if the 90s never happened. Or 
the early 90s, I say, are included, you know, the <laughs> early 90s, yeah. you know, once I think once the grunge movement happened in the 90s, that's when the 80s really died is when grunge took over the whole rock and roll world and all the new age, new wave stuff stopped, you know, and all the electronic artists kind of faded from top 40 radio stations and stuff like that. I think somewhere around like 95, 94 is when the 80s really ended, in my opinion. But that's what I love about synthwave and original electronic music is that we can we can pretend that the 80s never ended. And this music video is kind of like that. You know, yes, we're watching it here in September of 2021. Technically, the future. If we were in Back to the Future days, this is the future. And we should all have flying cars and stuff like that by now. But, you know, we also have things that Back to the Future didn't predict, like cell phones. You don't see any cell phones in Back to the Future at all. Not one. But, you know, we all have these pocket-sized computers that are everywhere we go. You know, we have, you know, video chatting. You know, we, we have, you know, smart glasses. Those were all in Back to the Future. So Back to the Future kind of got it right in a, in a way. But the nostalgia part, the reason why I love it so much is that, yes, it brings back memories from when I was a kid. But it's like we can all pretend that that decade just extended itself into now, you know, as far as... The music the style the lighting the graphics i mean now people are more and more people even corporations are jumping on board the idea of this whole 80s revival thing i mean even car manufacturers are starting to bring things back you know like lamborghini i mean i would never have thought that that was going to happen you know wow you know they're bringing it back and the fact that now even like delorean is back you know they have a brand new car concept that's going to be coming out hopefully relatively soon so it's amazing to see all this stuff come full circle it's all part of the inspiration for why we made the music video the way that we did i uh, i want to know about the explosions though oh <laughs> chris uh, I think well, you can, uh... maybe I was being a little bit mean in the video to Dan. Okay, <laughs> well, the, the, the basic, without giving too much away to people who haven't seen it yet, the basic concept of this track in particular is that there's, there's not, not really a god, but there's a leader called Mantis. And the reason the track starts the way it does is that his followers are praying to him because they need help. So... The first half of the, the video is kind of fun, it's a bit more upbeat, you know, it's a bit more mellow, I guess, even though there's, there's drums in there. And then all of a sudden you get the guitars come in, and then you start seeing explosions on the screen. But the point of that is that, well, there's Neutron Dreams, which is Dan, and then we introduce the Neutron Nightmares, which is me. And the character is that me and Dan don't like each other. And that I'm attacking the planet and Dan's there trying to stop me. So that's why occasionally you will see two lights on the screen that are flying around. That symbolizes either Dan's chasing me or I'm chasing Dan. But of course, we didn't have a $10 million budget. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> we, we would have loved to have had, you know. <laughs> so we were trying to do things in a symbolic way. So the explosions would be that I'm attacking the planet where Mantis is, which is when the guitars come in to show there's a shift in the, the tone of the track. And then Dan's there and he's trying to stop me. But at the end, you don't know. Did I catch Dan? Did he catch me? Is there more to come? You don't know. And that's the whole point of this particular track. Now, there's different stories for each track on the album, but for this one, it's basically that Mantis is the leader and his followers are praying to him before the attacks start. And then Mantis is like, 
I've got to try and fight back, but it all goes crazy when me and Dan show up. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's why you. That's why you see my eyes glow at one point. Is because I happen to see Dan on the screen, and that he's just come out of hibernation because he was actually in hibernation flying through space. And I see him on the screen. I don't like the fact that he's still alive. So I, you see me <laughs> get angry, and that's that's basically the start of introducing me as the bad guy and Dan is the good guy. But philosophically, what's bad and what's good? It's from all over perspective. If you look at it, so I could be the good guy to somebody else. You know, depends how you look at it. So we we were trying to be a little bit more, like I said, philosophical, but have fun with it. it, it was supposed to be a fun video which isn't just supposed to be something boring or anything that would preach that oh he is the bad guy because again it's perspective it's one person's a bad guy it's another person's hero so you don't know so it's up to the viewer to make their mind up who they root for <laughs> yeah exactly it's funny with my wife and i were just having uh, a discussion just a few just a, a little while ago before, right before we had this this interview about star wars and about uh how uh, how anakin aka darth vader was supposed to bring balance to the force and how he ended up being the bad guy and then he went to get into a philosophical part of it was he really if he was supposed to bring balance to the force if you look at it that's exactly what he did because before he became darth vader before he started killing off all the jedi the force was unbalanced there were hundreds of jedi there was only two Sith. so how is that balanced and then at the end of everything at the end of all you know whatever darth vader did for executing order 66 and the other stuff at the end then it was balanced because then all the jedi were gone it was only down to two and that was obi-wan kenobi and luke skywalker and then on the other side you had the emperor and you had vader two on each side the force is now balanced so when it comes to either neutron dreams or neutron nightmares yeah it, it you have to it, it could be philosophical you know which one is which who's the good guy who's the bad guy you don't know and we're not going to tell you it's up to the listener and the viewer to decide but can say that this music video praying for mantis it comes in in the middle of the story so that this particular track itself is going to be in the middle of the upcoming nightcrawlers album and the entire album is a storyline so it's meant to be listened from start to finish so that we, we tell a story of how neutron dreams has to investigate the signal this signal that's been corrupting all my all my posts all my messages and all my pictures and everything else i've been sending out across social media and how the signal keeps distorting everything here on earth and we keep looking for the signal it's funny how scientists are now discovering this signal coming from the center of our milky way galaxy which is just weird how it all is coincidence and it's all working out and now how we're having these solar flares gonna be happening and it might actually cripple earth's internet so we'll see how that goes once we get hit with a coronal not before the video yeah hopefully not before the video <laughs> but you know we, we have this coronal mass ejection coming for us apparently it might knock out cell service and internet could be days could be weeks of course the the really you know worry people are like this can knock it out for years and all, all that other stuff but of course we won't know will we until it actually happens it's just so funny how it's like actual stellar events are lining up to work you know for the release of this album and this album is all about this signal distortion and everything else that we're getting so it's just it's weird how everything's lining up but yeah. the story begins you know where we're we're getting this signal it's disrupting everything and you know we have to go find out what it is but you know nasa has is pretty much in retirement we can't get a ride on spacex or whatever so go over to nasa and we we commandeer a saturn 5 rocket that's old 
it's dismantled, it's in the graveyard, and we put it back together again, and we blast off in the Saturn V rocket, and hence there's a track named Saturn V.
And then using that rocket, we start flying through space where we start to intercept the signal and we start tracking in on its location, which then brings us to the Mantis planet. And then from the Mantis planet, there's a couple other you know stories that need to be yeah. told. You know, and again, hearkening back to 2001 Space Odyssey, you wanted to do like a space epic, this grand scheme of, of what's going to happen. And we wanted to give that same kind of experience to the listener. You know, ho hopefully have a couple music videos popped in here and there. We have another one or two planned that are ready to go for the release date. But we wanted to get, you know, this Praying for Mantis, you know, done for the actual single release. It was the most complicated one. So. Yeah, and most p complicated track by far, right? Yeah. And yeah. there's some um, very spacey thing, you know, tracks in there, some ambient ones, a little more synthy type things. But we wanted to give our listeners a wide range of an experience so that no one gets bored. You know, you don't want to listen to like this space opera epic. That's like you're gonna it's gonna put you to sleep midway through. Now, we don't want. Yeah, that. you don't want track two, track seven sounding like track one. You want it so that it evolves. So right. that there's always something interesting. And what we do is each planet we come across, without going too much away, has its own theme. So each each planet will have its own soundtrack. And there's actually also a soundtrack for Earth. It's called Dusk Till Dawn. You're viewing it from kind of I don't know how you would say it over in England. We would say a country bumpkin. <laughs> it's it's kind of like it's kind of like you're sitting um, in the middle of the country, straw hat on. You're playing on a harmonica, and so it starts off with a harmonica, and then you see these lights in the sky, and then that track starts to pick up, but it's in a different feel. It, it's more again harmonicas. It's got some let's say some distorted violins too, but they're they're more synthesized. I wanted to create a different sound on that. Well, as we were talking about, that's what we wanted to do. So yeah, each planet, including Earth, is going to have their own soundtrack, but the space in between the planets is also going to have its soundtrack. So it's it's not going to be you're at one planet, then suddenly you're at another. You can have a journey to the next planet too. So even the spaces in between each track is going to have a little soundtrack too. So we want to keep it interesting, like Dan said. So uh, the entire album, Nightcrawlers, is due out for release yep. on October 15th. Um, do you have plans for physicals or anything? Yeah, so yeah, the October 15th is our, our, our deadline to have this all out and released to the world. It'll be on both the uh, RetroSynth website, Bandcamp page, and also across all of the streaming platforms. Um, as far as physical release, we will have, uh, we're going to first test the waters with cassettes. So we're going to have cassettes available for purchase. Not as popular, but we'll have some CDs as well, only because CDs are easier to get produced and more cost effective. Vinyl would be amazing, but of course you have to have a, a big minimum order to get vinyl made. We want to see how the, the track goes. If we get enough calls for it to be placed on vinyl, then vinyl would be an option. But as of right now, we're just going to be sticking to um, a limited edition uh, cassette run and some uh, CDs. And also possibly some t-shirts and stuff. We'll see. Oh, yeah, so, yeah. Let's yeah. not forget that. So, yeah. So as far as uh, Neutron Dreams uh, and uh, I can speak about RetroSynth as a whole, um, we're going to be getting into a lot more of the physical merch end of it and so for neutron dreams there'll be uh, t-shirts available uh, we're looking at different designs for just a t-shirt alone so any fan will have different options to choose from as far as you know do you want just the basic logo or do you want to have like a cool space background behind the logo stuff like that and might do a baseball cap as well posters could definitely be in the works 
it's all about getting those right avenues lined up in in time for the release. Cool. This particular album is a bit different than, of course, our last album. Now, the Blue Lagoon, our last album, was really just one song remixed several different ways, and it was a way of us testing the waters and see what both what Chris and I are capable of, and also what kind of fan bases we can reach. And it it did rather well, actually, better than I expected. And we are taking that mindset with this new album, where you know th- this this album, none of it is the same track, you know, over and over again. But we're really expanding our horizons on this one and trying to make it kind of like our 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 golden achievement, the crown in our cap, and then using this as a base going forward for everything else. So we have some, without giving anything away, we have some big plans for the next one. We're working with some really serious people, some big heavy hitters, both in and outside of the synthwave genre. But we're also looking at you know more traditional uh, electronic uh, musicians, and both to you know collaborate with us, write with us, uh, offer their help and support. But we're looking towards really upping our game as far as Neutron Dreams is concerned, and some synthwave artists try to treat this like a hobby and they only want to give you know so much to it in the beginning you know we did the same thing this was just a hobby you know and we, we, we played around and, and you know we made some so we made some good songs but now it's it's no longer a hobby it's it's really serious for us it's become a lifestyle really it's it's uh we wake up thinking about it and we go to bed thinking about it pretty much I've, I think that's what you need to take things to the next level. Otherwise, you, you kind of get complacent and just sit there. Well, you can't. You've always got to be thinking about what's next. That That's the mindset that's changed, is that we're always thinking about what's next now. And I think that's a good place to be. Yeah, exactly. Neither one of us are one to sit around for too long and just let <laughs> you know, the, the, the soup cool down. You know, we always yeah. want to you know crank the burner up to an 11 you know, and keep things going all the time. That, that, that keeps our mind focused and it keeps either one of us from getting bored. If we, keep, if we kept doing the same thing, you'd never know what you're capable of. So you have to push forward and try new things to know what you can do. Otherwise, like Dan said, you get bored. And it's not just that. Your listeners want don't want to hear the same thing every album because they will just play the same album. So they want to hear that you're improving and going and trying new things out. You can't be scared to try something new. If you do that, you lose creativity. I right. think you've got to be creative. You've always you've always got to want to be moving forward, or there's no point doing it. Right. Exactly. And yeah. to build on that, the other thing I, I would love to mention is that Neutron Dreams. You know, if you're a, an electronic music fan. Great, awesome. You know, we love it. We're not your traditional electronic artist music. So if you're looking for something not traditional, you found the right spot. If you're a synthwave fan and you're tired of listening to the same old synthwave over and over and over again, where they're <laughs> using the same ARPs, same bass line, same drum kit, over and over and over, when whether or not you know they're using loops, as Chris had mentioned, or if they're actual you know not using loops and they're they're actually putting it down themselves but they're all still using the same instruments you know where everyone wants to sound like the midnight or everyone wants to sound like fm84 or everyone wants to sound like gunship you know <laughs> we're not that so if you want to hear the midnight it's not us we're different we are neutron dreams we are a different variety of synthwave and we like to combine elements of synthwave with 
elements of pure electronic music to make our own. And it goes everything from a little bit of EDM to a little bit of trance to a little bit of ambient. It's got some more synthy parts in some songs. It has more choir and orchestral parts in some songs. We take full advantage of the, the library of instruments that Chris and I have acquired over these past few years, and we're trying to bring them all fully to bear. And I, I take the advice of one of my mentors, and it's it's no, I make this to no surprise, everyone kind of knows this, I take the advice of the the great Michael Oakley. Michael's a very good friend of mine, and he, he, he helped guide me in my first album, and he taught me a lot of tips and tricks and kind of following in Michael's footsteps. For example, Michael's latest album, I don't even classify that as synthwave, yeah. like at all. <laughs> it has maybe one or two synthwave-ish type tracks, but that's Michael really flexing his creative talent. Yeah. He's flexing his creative muscles to say, hey, I can make a whole lot more than just synthwave. You know, uh, he, he has music with bagpipes in it. I mean, it's just, and it's a glorious album. You know, I, <laughs> I bought it. I bought it on cassette tape. I have it <laughs> on cassette. It's glorious, you know, but he is doing the exact same thing. He is showing that he's not just stuck in a rut. And sadly, that's a lot of the way that some of these artists are. And being the position that I'm in, I hear a lot of synth wave music and you know so do you a lot of the music is starting to sound the same and it's it's a shame but it all starts blending together you know when you're listening and you're trying to identify who it is and you say oh it's so and so and then you look at your playlist and like oh it's not so and so <laughs> i thought this was so and so you know yeah so and then there's there, there's people who stay true to their roots and then there's people who are too afraid to grow. And we're trying to grow, but we're also stay a little true to our roots. So what that means is that in our music, you will definitely notice a core sound that we have, core instruments, core ways that we write the music. But we're always trying to push the envelope. We're always trying to you know, make something bigger, better, learn from each other, stuff like that. It may not always be traditional quote-unquote synth wave, but what we're trying to do is make really good music, and hopefully it appeals to a wide variety of audiences.
I don't think I'll get tired of the old sound, the same old, but I don't want everyone to sound like that. Right. And that's the thing that I'm, that I'm trying to you know, make that point. Do I love gunship? Absolutely. I'll put on gunship and I'll blast gunship while I'm, you know, cleaning the house and stuff like that. Do I want a hundred other artists to sound like gunship? No, I don't. <laughs> Same thing with Jordy. I love Jordy to death. You know, Time Cop is a huge inspiration for me. Do I want every artist to sound like Time Cop? No, because that takes away from the magic that is Jordy. And in that that first album that I did, I, I thought Dreamwave was my direction so that's why that whole first album sounds very dreamwave-ish because jordy was a huge inspiration for me he was the inspiration i was working with michael to help you know make it all happen and i realized that i can't be jordy no one can because that takes if i was making the same exact music that time cop is making that takes away from time cop that takes away the magic and i don't want that i don't want that for anybody out there I, don't, I, I want everyone to have their unique sound. Copycatting is a form of flattery, yes, but there's also a fine line of being flattery and then just downright ripping someone off. Yeah. I totally agree. That, that's, that's kind of, I got stuck in that for about 10 years. I mean, I started really playing the piano and keyboards in the mid 80s, late 80s. And for about 10 years, I was trying to get the same sound as Jean-Michel Jarre. And at the end of it, I was like, I'm grateful I learned a lot of techniques I wouldn't have learned. But I also wasted 10 years of my life trying to be someone I'm not. So you, you have to be inspired by somebody, but then you have to know when it's time for you to take it in your own direction as well. If you just stay doing the same and everybody else is doing the same, there's nothing to distinguish who you are. That's what I hear, and, and not all, there's a lot of amazing synthwave out there. It's really good. But a lot of it seems like it's stuck between 84 and 86. And it's like, why can't they introduce some extra elements in while keeping the core the same? It would make them stand out. It would, it would give them their own sound while being able to attain the original sound they wanted. Yes, it's the same with any genre. I'm not, I'm not picking on synthwave at all. It's any genre. People... They get scared to try something different because they might alienate their core fan. But at the same time, if you're going to grow outside of your fan base, you have to do that. And that's scary. It's scary for me. It's scary for Dan. I mean, we've had lots of discussions about directions to head in. But at some point, you've got to be true to who you are as an artist. And, and if you're only producing one sound because it's popular, at some point, you're going to get bored and give up or become frustrated. If you don't allow yourself to be yourself. Now, if that sound is you, that's fine. Well, if you're only doing it because it's popular, I think that's the wrong the wrong direction as an artist to be going in. Yeah, I think if if they have nothing to say about you except for sounds like Time Cop, you know, yeah. <laughs> you're not doing you. Right. Something wrong. You, you've got to be yourself, you know. Yeah, that's not where we want to go. Yeah, and it, and it's like you, Karen, as when you interview. I mean, I just want to put this out there. I know Dan agrees with me. Is that you're so warm and relaxed and relatable, and some interviewers are so cold. And I, I just want to say quick before we leave that we really appreciate everything you've done and that you are doing for us. And I know you don't always get credit from people, but we want to make sure you always do. So thank you. Oh, thank you. No, I'm just, I'm glad to have you guys back again. It's its purely for the love of the music. It, it really is. That, that means a lot to us because it's we put a lot of time in and we just want to, as I said, we just want to write music from the heart. That's all we want to do and hopefully other people will be able to feel that you know right exactly and, and just be, just because it's from your heart doesn't mean it has to be slow it doesn't mean it has to be quiet every time it could be upbeat it could be edm 
and still be from your heart. Mm -hmm. it, it's about what you put of yourself into your music. It doesn't matter what style it's in, as long as you put who you are into it. And I think that's what people pick up on more than the actual music sometimes. Oh, yeah. They can feel, they can feel the passion behind it, mm -hmm. I'm hoping. Yeah, I have to agree because, you know, again, listening to a lot, you can tell when someone has put their passion into their music and when someone's just literally making it just to make a buck or just to put something out there that happens to be a new track or something. I'd like to think that they think it's good. You know, that they've done their best. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I do agree with that too. When you listen to a lot of music or you're in positions that you and I are in, we can give positive feedback to artists saying, hey, listen to my stuff. Give me your idea. I'm like, okay, I'm going to give you a, you know, real heartfelt, positive reinforcement, honest reinforcement type of feedback. Mm -hmm. It's not just, oh, yeah, I listen to it. And, oh, you're, you know, it's great. It's awesome. You know, and you're just a yes person if it really doesn't sound that great. You have to be open and honest. Be like, hey, I'm not saying your music sucks, but, you know, your bass is slapping way too hard. You know, you, you got to help you know, turn that down a little bit or, you know, add a little compression or, you know, flatten it out a little bit. Um, it's like what me and Dan are doing now. We're working with several artists and we're, we're mixing and mastering for them. And I think the important thing anytime you talk to another musician is that you give positive reinforcement. You can say something needs improvement, but you do it in a constructive way. You never want to break another artist down because you know as an artist yourself how you'd feel if someone did that to you. So it's always about being positive. But sometimes in order to be positive, you've got to say, this works great. This could do a little bit of work. And this, this bit could be improved here. And, but at the same time, when you tell somebody else they could improve something, that's their artistic right not to because they may be pulling it like that for a certain reason. So even though it may not, something might not touch us, if the artist wants to put it out there like that, they may have a reason for putting it out there. It, it, it's not easy to always say that sounds wrong. Well, but it might not be mm -hmm. the artist putting it out there. It might be their intention that you don't understand why they did that, but they did that. You always want to reinforce the people around you, you know, because we're all one big family. Whether we've any of us heard of each other or not, it doesn't mm -hmm. matter. In music, we're all one big family. And I don't think anyone should really break anybody else down to make themselves feel better. I, I think we should all all help each other. That's just, you know, I'm a big softy, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so am I. I just think uh, when you and Dan get something asking for feedback and when I get something, it's at very different stages of production. I usually get it when it's done, released, ready to be released. You know, no amount of my saying, hey, uh, this might might need a second yeah. look at the mastering, especially the vocals. Like, well, it's it's done. It's already yeah. slated for release. So at that point, right, it's just, exactly. do I want to play it on the radio or not? So it's more black and white when yeah. it comes to me. Yeah, when it, when it comes to me and Dan sometimes, it's... You, you have to be constructive and not destructive. And that's, it's sometimes hard to to find the right line, depending on the artist you're working with. Because that's part of what Neutron Dreams are doing. You know, we, we're really enjoying working with our artists to help them put their music out there. And it's always a case of finding the positive in what they're doing and making them feel good about what does work. And then when people come back to you and ask for advice, they know you give an honest advice, but you're not going to give it in a mean-spirited way. And I think once you're being mean-spirited, then you're not enjoying what you're doing. 
you you, sh you shouldn't fake enough artists down. I, I just don't agree with doing that. And I see it, unfortunately, I see it all the time on Twitter. Mm -hmm. And you, you see so much negativity and it's, I don't understand it. I, I just don't know why someone would do that. Yeah. And Sally, that's part of the music industry. It's not just, it is, yeah. it's not just yeah. synth wave, you know. Oh, and no, it's in any genre. Yeah. Right. That's something I would say. Oh, and people are saying, oh, the, you see some posts that, oh, the synthwave genre is so hostile. It's acidic. It's a cancer. You know? okay, who says? You see all these different oh, posts. Oh, you'd be surprised. You, know, you, you see these posts or, or hey, that ain't synthwave enough. Or, yeah. man, your mixing sounds like crap. And it's like, well, what do you do for a living? You know, do you make music yourself? No? Okay, then you have no from your reference. But if you do, well, you know, how can you provide positive feedback in a way that's open and honest without cutting someone down and that's yeah. really where you know chris and i try to really come above the fold as far as the critiquing as far as other people's music is concerned because our own music is getting critiqued you know and like i openly say our music may not be for everyone it may not be for your purest synthwave people who want the four on the floor baseline that revolves around uh, an endless <laughs> setting sun you know that's fine and it, yeah. if my if that music doesn't appeal to you great click on the next track
again, I like to do that whole paying it forward kind of thing. And that's for me as a person, you know, in my life, you know, you help me out, you know, help me around the house. Guess what? You need help with your house. I'm there. I'm showing up, you know, I'm going to help you, you know, build something, paint something, whatever. With music, it's the same way. And in the beginning, like I said, I had a lot of help, a lot of help from um, from Michael. And the way he critiqued me then is exactly how now Chris and I pay it forward critiquing other artists. As far as I would make a track, lay it all out, I would send it to Michael and said, hey, let me know what you think, you know, good or bad. And then he would text back, like, can I be open and honest with you? I'm like, dude, lay it out. If you got to level me, level me. You know, if it sucks, let me know because I don't want to put out something that I'm just going to get torn down for by the, the synth wave people out there. So he would like, well, you know what? This is a little, you know, harsh. You know, this guitar is clashing too much. You know, your, your highs are kind of, you know, he would give all kinds of feedback, but in a very positive way. Like this is, you know, too much. Here's how you can do to turn it down. Or, hey, this is too too quiet here's what you can do to make it better you know so it's not just offering feedback but also ways to improve that song and that's kind of where chris and i are trying to stand is like hey yes it sounds good as its own or no it needs a little help either you know we'll be happy to help you do that or here's how you can fix it you know here's how you can make it sound better so and that's what we try to do yeah and while we mix it for others we make sure that we, we tell them what we're doing so they can learn. It's not a case of, oh, if we tell them how to fix it, they won't need us anymore. No, we're all working together. And if there's a problem and I fix it, or Dan fixes it, and then we send it to them, listen, they like it, we'll actually tell them, well, this is what you could do in the future to help to avoid that, that issue. So it, it's about giving, like Dan said, it's about giving it back. It's not just about taking. And I think that's the, the attitude. If more people had that attitude, I think it would be be better and and as Dan said it's, it's certainly not just a synthwave community it's I I'm not a rap fan um, as Dan will tell you but I see it all the time a lot of my friends are rappers and they're constantly beating each other down and it's like how can you be creative when you're always getting attacked I don't understand it it's you're supposed to be in a, a comfortable comfortable relaxed mindset to be able to do music and if you're not and you're constantly fighting with other people how can you be your best and I said, I'm old, so I, I got a different way of thinking. <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree, though. I just, I don't feel like it's my place personally to give those critiques because I don't, yeah. I don't know music the way you guys know music. And and like I said, by the time I get it, they're done. It's the final product. Yeah, yeah. Right. But at the same time, I can imagine it's hard for you doing that, too, because you want to play music you like. And how do you tell somebody their music's not for you? I mean, that must be tough when you have to say to somebody... I can't really play this. It's not really my for my show. If you're about to do that to anybody, or well, here's the thing: I haven't had anything so bad that I was like, "Wow, is this a joke to yeah. you?" But I have had things that are so off genre. I mean, if I played them on Night Ride, somebody else would have a talking to. With yeah. Me. <laughs> what I've done is I've made connections with other radio stations and been like, "They play rock. Uh, oh, yeah. see what they say, That's you know? Good. Or like, they play hip hop. See what they say." Yeah. I try to give them other avenues. That's good. That's like with us. I mean, we don't go out there and critique somebody. It's if they ask us, what do, what do we think? And they want they want it back, we'll tell them. But we don't go out there and tell somebody, oh, you, you could improve this if they don't know us. I mean, that would be... <laughs> but if, if, if somebody writes to us and they're like, um, how can we take this to the next level? Or how can we make this sound different? Then we're glad to help because that's, 
That's what I think you want to do. And it's it's like with you when you're playing your music, you're helping artists. It's in a different way, but it's you're getting them out there that they can't do themselves. You know, and that's yeah. people have to realize how important it is what you do. And I, as I said earlier, I think that sometimes you get overlooked on that. I don't mind. It's I just hope people are enjoying it because, um, you know, I'm not investing in this hobby as much as you guys yeah. are investing in yours. Yeah. And I want you to make that back. You know, when you put a fee up front for like a vinyl pressing, like a lot of these people yeah. do. I know Prima the Alien did hers just out of pocket. Yeah. Like, yeah, I want to promote that. I want you to make that back. Yeah, it's 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 certainly not cheap. And that's why we, we decided to move it from the hobby stage to the, <laughs> you know, to be more, we, we, we knew ourselves, we have to be promoting ourselves more. And we have to be doing things we hadn't really done before. And it takes a lot of time. But if you're going to put that much time into the music to create it, then your music deserves you being out there trying to promote it too. And if you're not going to mm-hmm. promote it while you're making the music. I mean, I'm backseat. I don't like... You know, I, I, I'm not somebody who likes a limelight. I stay away from it as much as possible. I'll let Dan do that because, you know, he's the one who likes dancing on the stage. Me, nope, just sit me in the back corner on a keyboard and I'm happy for the rest of the night. <laughs> That's why I have a cool pair of sunglasses to hide my face. Yeah. <laughs> and, and knowing Dan, probably a Neutron Dreams Fong or something. But. <laughs> <laughs> But that's, that's oh, what God. I mean. It's, <laughs> <laughs> I'm the one that can have nightmares now. Uh, um, but <laughs> neutron nightmare. That's why that's that's you now, man. You're I'm telling you. Yeah. I have nightmares of Chris peeing on a keyboard. Oh, God, <laughs> no. I, I, I had no idea. And then Dan told me, you might want to look at this. And I played it back. I'm like, and not only was I looking like I was peeing on a keyboard, I was looking in the air. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> It looked like you were really enjoying that. <laughs> well, I did have orange juice before, so maybe. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I, but that's fun. It's, it's fun, you know. It, well, you, we, we learn from our mistakes now, don't we? <laughs> yeah. And hey, you know what? As long as somebody's talking about something you did, you did it right. <laughs> hey. Oh, man. It's like oh. every time I turn around, I see Jules talking about Chris peeing on the keyboard. I'm like, oh, oh my God. <laughs> no, not again, you know. You'll never live it down. <laughs> Try to let that be a distant memory. Yep. You know, go back and delete it from all YouTube channels. It was too good. <laughs> it's too funny. I feel no, like... It will stay there for all time. <laughs> well, thank you for making me feel better <laughs> we're gonna call him chris p from now on <laughs> well that's his initials <laughs> yeah. when i when i first started using the internet i actually went under christopher peanut <laughs> chris peanut as well i'm like this is back in 98 or whenever 97 so <laughs> i'm gladly i'm not now but well, that's yeah. why your initials are cjp you know <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah <laughs> I know we have to wrap this up in a minute. Um, if anybody wants to contact us on social media, we, we won't bite your head off. Not like a mentis. We'll, uh, <laughs> we'll be, we'll be, we're very friendly and we, we try to talk to people and as much as we can. So, you know, we're open to anybody who wants to chat. Yeah. Yeah. We're not some uh, standoffish uh, people yeah. that never reply, you know. We're just um, normal people. Wow. It's normal yeah. as I could be. <laughs> well, yeah, I question that sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you both for for being on the show. I really enjoyed the video. Awesome. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Thank you, thank you. And we'll be looking forward to Nightcrawlers releasing October 15th through Retro Synth Records. Let's play out with uh, with something from the new album. How about uh, the ambient track, The Signal? We'll do a, a preview of it because you said it's a 15-minute track, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll do about five minutes of that. <laughs> this is Neutron Dreams with The Signal. And have a good night. 